Hey guys, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Unknown Serial Killer. We're here to talk about the next-door neighbor who usually kills people for fun. As always, viewers' discretion is advised because we're talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. Without further ado, let's talk about the Kansas City Strangler. Lorenzo Jerome Gilliard Jr. was born on May 24th, 1950 in Kansas City, Missouri. One of five children born to Lorenzo Gilliard Sr., and his wife, Laura Brown. From an early age, Lorenzo Jr. exhibited aggressive behavior. During his school years, he played on sports teams with his brother. As he was larger than most of his peers, he physically assaulted smaller children and earned a reputation as a bully. Due to his lack of discipline and poor academic performance, Lorenzo was forced to drop out of school after the 10th grade. In the mid-1960s, he met a young woman named Rena Hill, with whom he soon began a relationship. On November 20th, 1968, Gilliard and Hill married. After that, he learned that she was pregnant. Despite this, Gilliard began to indulge in crime and exhibit deviant sexual behavior towards women. In January 1969, Gilliard was arrested on charges of assaulting and raping a girl he knew, but was later released when a reconciliation agreement was reached between the two parties, with the victim retra retracting the charges after Lorenzo apologized to her. In 1970, Gilliard's father was convicted of rape. Two years later, Gilliard himself would be arrested again for raping and assaulting another woman with the victim claiming that she had that he had choked her into unconsciousness. She identified Gilliard as the culprit from a lineup, but her testimony was considered questionable and the charges were subsequently dropped. So already right off the bat, he's not being charged for anything that he's doing. These women are pointing him out in lineups. They know who he is, and yet and all, he's still walking away scot-free. And it's just baffling to me because I really don't understand why. In 1973, Gilead was arrested for assaulting his wife, with Hill telling police that he had been physically and sexually abusive for all the years they had been married. <clears throat> Ultimately, he was forced to pay a fine and to divorce her. In February 1974, Gilliard was arrested for raping a 25-year-old exotic dancer who identified him as her attacker from a photograph, but yet again, the charges were dropped when the two parties reached a reconciliation agreement. Five months later, he would be arrested again for raping the 13-year-old daughter of a friend on the banks of the Missouri River. As the victim changed her testimony, the rape charges were dropped, but Gilliard was convicted of sexual acts with a minor and received a nine-month sentence in the Jackson County Jail. After his release, Gilliard married a second time, but his wife soon left him and filed for divorce, claiming that, like Rena Hill, she was beaten and sexually abused by her husband. In the late 1970s, Gilliard married a third time. So, here we go again. These people are pointing him out in lineups and these are younger kids now at 13 years old and younger than 13 and they're pointing him out and they're telling their side of the story and yet again he's still being let go and I just don't understand why he's being let go and it just makes no sense in 1973, oh, 1979, Gilead was arrested on charges of assaulting a young couple, raping the girl, and threatening to kill her fiance. Despite the fact that the victims identified him as their attacker, Gilead was acquitted 
by a jury verdict in his September 1980 trial due to lack of evidence. A few months later, he was arrested for aggravated assault on his third wife, but got away at, with an administrative fine and a divorce. In February 1981, Gilliard attacked his second wife on, sep on two separate occasions. In the first one, he knocked out her front teeth, and in the second, he stabbed her in the hand with an ice pick. He was arrested and charged with third-degree assault, but would be let go on a suspended sentence in probation. In November 1981, Gilliard was arrested for a theft, but was released on $3,500 bail. That same spring, he received a four-year prison sentence for violating his probation. During his incarceration, his sister, Patricia D. Dixon, a prostitute, was convicted of murdering a client in 1983 and sentenced to 11 years imprisonment, in addition to being implicated in the murder of another prostitute. So, apparently violence runs in the family because his sister isn't doing any better than he is, so... <laughs> so yeah after examining the blood sample taken from Lorenzo Gilliard the investigation team conclusively connected him to the murders of six women in the area including Sheila and Gold for whose murder he was considered a suspect back in 1987 in addition to this he was also linked through circumstantial evidence to the killings of at least six more women killed between April 1977 and January 1993 all of them were between the ages of 15 and 36 and were strangled with various items, including nylon stockings, laces, and wire. The bodies were found dumped in various areas around Kansas City, landfalls, snow drafts, abandoned buildings, vans, fields, and parking lots. All but one were known prostitutes. Nine were found either fully or partially naked. Eleven were sexually assaulted. As a result of these findings, Gilead was arrested on April 16, 2004 and charged with 12 counts of first-degree murder. After his arrest, Gilead was charged with the following murders. Stacy L. Swatford, 17, last seen alive on April 10, 1977. Her body was found a week later at a vacant lot bearing signs of suffocation. Gwendolyn Kizen, 15, found strangled on January 23, 1980, a day after her father had reported her missing. When found, her neck and wrists were tightly wrapped with wire. It was later established that the girl was a prostitute and was last seen by her parents the week prior. Margaret J. Miller, 17, found strangled on May 9, 1982. Like the previous victim, Miller earned an income through prostitution. Catherine M. Barry, found in an abandoned building on March 14, 1986 with a stocking wrapped tightly around her neck. Naomi M. Kelly, 23, found strangled in the parking lot on April 16, 1986. Kelly was a student at a business school and a single mother raising two kids, but the investigators uncovered that she was forced to engage in prostitution due to financial issues. Her killer had used a towel to strangle her, which she left near the body. Deborah Sue Belvins, 32, found strangled on November 27, 1986. Her completely nude body was found in some bushes next to a church. So he threw her away like she was trash. Apparently, most serial killers think prostitutes and sex workers are just scum and just low to the earth. So that's why he just dumped her off like that. Ann Barnes found strangled near the city center on April 17, 1876. 
1987, Barnes was an exotic dancer and prostitute who worked at a local establishment. Kelly A. Ford, 20, found strangled on June 9, 1987. Her almost completely naked body was found dumped at the edge of a cliff near one of city's parks. It was later found that Ford was a drug addict and known prostitute working in the area. Angela Mayhew, 19, found strangled on September 12, 1987. Unlike the other vic- victims, Mayhew was fully clothed on the side of a road, and despite being a prostitute, no traces of sexual assault was found during the autopsy. Sheila Ingold, 36, found strangled on November 3, 1987, a prostitute Ingold's body was found inside an abandoned van near an auto shop in Kansas City. In this case, her killer was had stolen two rings off her corpse. Camilla Renee Hibbs found strangled on December 19, 1987. Her partially nude body was found in the parking lot of an apartment building. Connie Lynn Luther, 29, found strangled on January 11, 1993. Luther, a prostitute, was found in a snowdrift with a noose made of lace tied around her neck. Gilliard was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murders of Barry, Kelly, Barnes, Ford, Ingold, and Hibbs. He was acquitted of killing Mayhew since only human hair and no semen was found in her body, and the results of a DNA analysis of said her hair being inconclusive. He initially served his life sentence in Western Missouri Correctional Center before being transferred to the Crossroads Correctional Center in July 2019. Well, guys, I know that's a lot to take in. Obviously, his background automatically starts from violence, from bullying smaller kids in his class to raping young women and little girls, having his sister be in jail for 11 years for committing a crime. And you know what's interesting? His sister is a prostitute, and that's all he's been killing out there is prostitutes. Maybe he has a resentment against his sister because she's one, so he's out there killing all other prostitutes as well. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Tune in tomorrow for a special edition for a Christmas episode. Um, We're going to dig deep into the minds of another serial killer, as as always. And of course, like I always tell you guys, be nice to people you never know who they kill. See you guys tomorrow.